heroes that you hear. I was listening to the news in the car the other day, and it was talking about some celebrity is now going to divorce. I, what, what's that got to do with news on a Christian radio station? I mean, come on. You know, a celebrity is, is getting divorced. It's got nothing to do with news for a Christian radio station. Am I right, everyone? Yeah. So, you know, so what happens is, and I want us to understand this clearly, we have an information problem at the moment. A huge problem. It's an information problem because we are being exposed to information that's not based on the things that you and I think are important. It's, being, it's based on the things that other people who don't have our faith worldview think are important. And this is why we have to be aware and we have to choose the information sources carefully okay um because otherwise we'll we'll get depressed we'll get down we'll you know i've seen people walking in defeat because they've been feeding on the wrong information okay and so it's for this reason that i wrote for this sort of reason it was a contributing reason to me writing the book that i've been uh, finishing off over the last few uh days especially, and in fact, this afternoon, the plan is that it'll be finished this afternoon, ready for print tomorrow morning, I understand, or at least they'll set it up for tomorrow morning, because um, it's going to be launched when I go to the ticking conference in America, uh, God willing, on the week of the 3rd of October, I'll fly out. But Mark may have a copy of the cover of that book. Oh, there it is, look. Cybernetics of faith, the supernatural laws of receiving. Anyone likes the cover? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not the whole thing. Can you make it so we can see all of it? Just everything. Yeah, that's it. It's nice, isn't it? Guess who did the drawing? Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> I was determined to use it somewhere. <laughs> but you see, it's, 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 well, I won't go into that. But anyway, the point is that, um, that it talks about, the, you see, a lot of Christians will read this. Now watch this, okay? You're going to get people, Christians will watch it. they'll read the title and say, Cybernetics of Faith, that's not in the Bible, not interested in that. And, and, and they'll have that sort of negative attitude right from the start. Why are you bothering with that, side? What's that all about? Well, guess what? Electricity is not in the Bible. Do we use electricity? Yeah. Motor cars isn't in the Bible. We, we use motor cars <laughs> electricity, okay? Are you with me? So you see, a religious mindset is a, very often a poverty mindset. And so people can sound like they're being very Christian and very serious and, uh, you, you know, um, faithful to the word. But they're not at all. What they are is producing ignorant thinking. And we have to watch against that. It'll rob us of God's blessings. So the cybernetics of faith, what is it about? The cy cybernetics is, 
it's been de defined in several ways, but the definition that I'm using in this book is this. Cybernetics is the automated processes that we can observe within nature and created beings. So there's automated processes. So for example, and I think I did it a few weeks ago, if we were in the middle of a jungle and I would shout, Bear! what would happen is automated processes would kick off inside of us. We would have certain things happen, um, you know, so to, the, the adrenaline would start being pumped into our system. That would have a, a knock-on effect then into other things so that oxygen is quicker uh, received by our muscles. And there'll be um, eyesight, uh, um, the, the pupils would engage in such a way that we can see more clearly. And all sorts of these automated processes would happen as a result of that one word being shouted, bear. It wouldn't matter if there was a bear in the woods or not those automated processes would still kick in. And so what we find is that with faith, when you're involved in faith, there's automated processes that kick in as a result. Jesus talks of this repeatedly within the scripture. But his words are so radical that religion hasn't been able to decipher them and really take them in. The concepts are too big for religion to take in. Religion wants to contain his words and, and wants to contextualize them away because the implications of those words are so great on us. It would change our entire thinking. And you know what? That's what I'm trying to explain in this book. And I give examples. I give examples, for example, of um, the time. And this is probably the most, perhaps, radical example of this. Now, you can choose to believe this or not. I've given this testimony before, and, I, and people made fun of it. And they said, oh, uh, that Bishop Stephen, he, he doesn't need to buy petrol. He, he just speaks and petrol is received. But I'm telling you the truth. So I'm, I'm just telling you the Yeah, I'm telling you the truth this morning, okay? This is what happened. I went into um, buying a, a house in Wales. And I had... And I went... Well, would you like a cup of tea or coffee? Would you like to? <laughs> well, follow the, follow the story, and then perhaps you'll find out. Okay? Um, our sister there, would you like to have a rest? Because we... Would you like to have a rest? Sorry? You're fine where you are. Well, unless you've got something positive to say... Okay. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. Yeah. So that's probably the best thing. You'll find it better that way. Okay. Because we want the best for you. 
Because, you know, you're what, there's great potential in you. You know, you're, you have good, great potential inside of you. You could do all sorts of things, great things in your life. And, you know, I believe that God wants to help you in everything in your life. He loves you so much. And he, he wants to help you in every way possible. Yeah. Do you want him to help you? He's, he is, he's already helped you, hasn't he? Yeah. Good. Have a minute. And he can help you some more. Amen. So what we'll do is we'll just continue and... Let's think on this. I'm driving in the Welsh countryside with my parents looking for a house for when Micah and I get married. And my parents are sitting in the back of the car and we've been visiting one place after another after another. I had quite a few places to visit on my, on my list. Most of you have heard this testimony before. Um, but it highlights what that book is teaching about so well. I'm just going to share it with you again now. Um, we pulled into the last house of the day and we'd been rushing from appointment to appointment. So I hadn't put petrol into the car. I knew we were coming. We were right on the edge, but I hadn't passed a garage in the Welsh countryside. There aren't that many garages where we're, where we're driving. There wasn't, we just hadn't passed anything. So we go into the final house and we go in, we have a look, we stay there for a while and we come back out into the car and I tried to start the car and it wouldn't start. There was no petrol in the car. And my dad knew the sound of no petrol in the car. And I knew that there wasn't any because I saw where the needle had been at. <laughs> but he just heard the sound. He said, no petrol in the car. And I said, oh... I said, I'm so sorry. Um, I thought, what on earth? It was starting to get dark. We're in the middle of the countryside. What are we going to do? I mean, just picture it. So I said, right, okay. I know what I'm going to do. Now, I said, what I, I said this because I had programmed my mind, okay, to believe the words of Jesus because I'd studied the words of Jesus. And when you study... Okay, if you study a subject, you gain authority in that subject. If you choose to use the authority that you've gained, that will manifest power. And power will change things. So this is how it works. There's a chain reaction. You study. Studying produces authority. If you choose to use the authority... That will produce power, which will change things. Are you with me, everyone? Okay. So this is how this works. So I studied, and Jesus' words, believe and receive. I'd studied it. And I'd looked at it in context. I'd looked at the Greek. I'd really studied it in an academic way. And I know that when Jesus says that, he means that. I, I know that. And I'm very... You know, I can debate that with anyone. From the Greek, we can look at it, and I know what that means. So you see, I have authority in that. So I'm not believing weakly, 
and hoping, you know, I hope this is what it could mean. Maybe it means this, maybe it means that. No, no, no. I know what it means. I know what it's saying. I have authority as a consequence to really knowing. And so believe and receive. So I turned to my parents, who at the time uh, weren't Christians, and I said, Mom and Dad, look, you're not going to understand this, but please just allow me to do something here. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to do something. So I said, Heavenly Father, I'm sorry for not being diligent. I'm not being, uh, for not being diligent with the petrol situation. I'm really sorry. But in the authority that I have, through Jesus Christ as my Lord, I speak petrol into the tank of this car now in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior. That's what I did. And I turned the car, and the car immediately started, and we drove many, many miles till we got to a, a petrol garage, and then I did fill the tank up with petrol. That's what happened. I mean, that's it. Now, we could go, this is an interesting subject, and it goes into quantum physics. There is a connection with quantum physics. I won't, we'll obviously go there this morning. <laughs> but, but I want to go to the words of Jesus, our Lord and Savior this morning. So come with me to John 3, and let's read the passage from John 3, um, and I'll start... Uh, let's see where we'll start. We'll start at the beginning there of John 3. Um, he's, let, let's start at verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. No one can do these signs unless God is with him. So if God is with someone, signs happen. Well, let me ask you, is God with you? We've got three people in the church this morning that God is with. Wonderful. Is God with you? Are you really sure? Good, good. That's what I wanted to hear. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, in the Greek there, it says, it says, born from above. The inference is born from above. So, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water... And the Spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God, cannot enter the kingdom of God. <coughs> that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So we're born of the flesh through our earthly births. But we can be born of the Spirit through being born from above. God can birth you from above when you're an adult. God can birth you from above with a new mindset, a new perspective. Let's read on. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. 
So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you a teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not know or receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Amen. So, what happens is when someone is born from above, they are literally born of the Spirit and they are quickened. They, they choose Jesus as Lord and Savior. They recognize that their deeds have been evil, that they've done things which have been wrong, and they have a humility in their heart to say, I need a Savior. I need to know that Jesus is my Savior, that my sins are forgiven, that when I die, I will be heaven-bound. And they come to that place and they say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I now follow you as my Lord. When they do that, they're born from above. They're born in spirit. Their spirit man is made alive. Their spirit woman then is made alive. In the old days, you didn't have to say woman. You say spirit man. Everyone would know what you meant. But, you know, yeah, these days you have to. <laughs> Their spirit is quickened and made alive. And so what happens then is this. They go to a church and they start living. And they follow the examples that are given. The only problem is, very often the examples that they see within the church aren't the alive, enlightened examples that the Bible is talking about. What you have very often are, you know, people living in defeat, living low, and, you know, just following the religion like you should, you know, and just boring old religion, not the abundant life that Jesus speaks about in the gospel. And 
what I believe we absolutely need to focus on at this time is being who God called us to be according to the Word of God, according to this new Spirit-filled life that we've just been reading about. What good is it if, having been born from above, I live like everyone else? I look like everyone else. Everything is the same as anyone else. It's just that I come to church on a Sunday. That's not what's meant in there. In there, what it, what's meant in here is this. It's so radical, it says a transformation of life must take place. It must be completely, totally transformed. So that, in fact, the word is metamorphosis. The same way as a caterpillar is metamorphosized into a butterfly and can now fly off into those heights, you and I have been born from above so that we can fly off into new heights and not be restricted to crawling around like a caterpillar. <laughs> I'm bored of religion. Wish I was wearing my nice collar. It has even more effect when I say it with that on. I went to those theological colleges, you know. And I found in those theological colleges, I mean, they were the, the sort of worst of the bunch in a way. Because that's the very place where they're saying, well, we care so much about this great gospel that we've come to study and we've come to learn and we've come to be, you know, on fire for the gospel. And what do you find in those colleges? I mean, honestly, I would leave. I had a, I had a beautiful car at the time. You know, it was a Mercedes. We were talking about cars earlier today. And I had a lovely Mercedes SL. It's a beautiful, lovely convertible. And um, I've been in the Bible college because I was running a, my business at the time. And um, I would go to the college and I remember I'd press the button and the roof would come down. And I'd put my books in the back and I'd put my things in the back. And you know, sometimes I'd be in tears in the car park. Because the people I left in the college, St. Michael's Theological College in Cardiff, I, I just didn't know where they were at. I really had no idea. And I thought, these people are going to be now leading the church. It was so sad. Because it was clear to me, there wasn't an appreciation of this abundant spirit filled life. That's all you had was religious duty on the surface. Well, this is talking about a fundamental and radical inner change. A change of engineering, as it were, right on the inside, so that we can now fly instead of crawling around. And I knew that when I was talking about flying with them, and soaring to the heights that God has equipped us to soar to, according to the New Testament, it was an anathema to them. An entire anathema. They didn't know anything about what I was talking about. 
it was clear to me they were still in darkness. Very sad. So, in this book, The Cybernetics of Faith, I talk on a couple of practical subjects that will help us. And I'll just give you the chapter headings now. Only five chapters. It's a modest-sized book, but I believe it'll help many people. The self-image is the first one. You see, to have a self-image, what's your self-image? How have you formed your self-image? What have you thought about yourself? What you can and can't do? Your self-image will govern what you do in life. And if your self-image is formed, as many people's is, from outside opinions and other people's thoughts on you, or your experience, and your limited experience, or your failures, if your self-image is a negative self-image, you'll produce negative results as a direct result of your inner self-image. There's no other way. You'll produce after your self-image. But if you have a confident self-image that's based on the Scripture and your identity in Christ, then you'll start to have adventures in faith and start to soar. The self-image is so important. The second thing is that we have the inner sat-nav. Now, I'm going to share something with you, which I don't know how many of you will be able to accept this or not, but I'm going to share it. There was a man many years ago. Anyone hear of Earl Nightingale? Anyone else hear of Earl Nightingale? Hands up if you've heard of Earl Nightingale. He, he recorded a, a record in, in the States. He was one of the foremost leaders in the area of positive thinking. And he recorded a record in the 1950s called The Strangest Secret. And he recorded it for a few of his friends and family. Well, it wasn't long before it started to spread. And they started to produce more and more. And within a short period of time, it was into the millions. And it birthed a new industry called the industry of really positive thinking and success, motivation. And Earl Nightingale had a company that produced that sort of product. So in it, this, the, this record that he produced, it's, which is called The Strangest Secret, which you can listen to on YouTube, it says this. In conclusion, the strangest secret is this. It's that you have an inner mechanism given by God. Okay? Inside of you, there is a, a, a satellite navigational system, shall we say. It's a satellite nav inside of you, and it's being given by God to help you reach destinies that you give to it. So if you dare to believe, if you dare to believe according to what the Scriptures teach, according to what Jesus Christ teaches, according to your new position as someone who's been born of the Spirit, if you can bring yourself to believe, you can receive. This is the wonderful truth that most people can't bring themselves to 
engaging. Not really. They sort of, if you ask them, they say, well, yeah, I believe that. Yeah, I believe. But do they really? You'll know if they've received from it and if they have testimonies. And if they answer enthusiastically, say, yes, I know. Then you know they've got it. Most people say, yeah, I, I, I believe it. No, 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 no. It's not a case of intellectual assent. It's a case of reality. Reality. Not intell mere intellectual assent. It's reality in life. And that reality in life produces testimonies. And that's why the book has testimonies in it. It's testimonies that are birthed from that inner spirit life. The spirit man on the inside births those testimonies. The third chapter talks about dehypnotizing yourself. Some people have been hypnotized, you know. Hypnotized. Self-hypnosis without knowing it. They've hypnotized themselves to failure. They're hypnotized. They're, to be hypnotized means that you believe something is true, even if it's not true, but you really have a strong belief. Have you seen someone on a, on a, um, a, a hypnotist stage show? You've seen the strong man, perhaps, who, when hypnotized, can't lift a pencil. He can't lift a pencil. There's, he just can't lift it because his mind has been told by the hypnotist and he chose to believe what the hypnotist said, that he is not strong enough to lift this pencil. So he tries his hardest and he can't lift the pencil because his mind is telling him you can't lift the pencil. And what this proves is that the inner man, the self-image on the inside determines what you do in actual fact on the outside. And so if we conform ourselves to who Christ has called us to be, the person that Christ has described the Christian as in the New Testament, the person that the Apostle Paul has described the Christian as, if we conform ourselves to that image, we will produce after that image. So the next and obvious question is, who are you? How's your self-image? Have you been hypnotized by perhaps negative past results? Hypnotized by negative talk from people? Hypnotized by family members? Hypnotized by all sorts of things? Even your own negative thoughts? Are you hypnotized? Have you been hypnotized in a negative way? This morning, I pray this morning... Before we even leave, and we're coming to the close, but before we leave, that's broken. That we, would that we would leave here, not in a hypnotized state, but in a free state. Free to be all who we've been called to be and to do all that we've been called to do. Who are you on the inside? What's your self-image? Here's a clue of what it should be according to the scripture in summary form. I'm a co-heir with Christ. That's number one. I'm an ambassador of God. I'm a person who can, I'm a person who speaks and can move mountains. And that's the type of person I am. And I'm not being proud and boastful in saying this, my precious brothers and sisters. 
This is what the Bible describes the Christian life to be. I'm not talking about deadbeat religion. I'm talking about the Christian life. And this is for us. You see, the thing is this. He loves us. All of this is about love. The love of God. The love that God has for us. You know my son Samuel. This boy here. If I can do anything for him, I'll do it for him. Anything that I could do to help him, I'll do it. Because I love him. I love him. And, and I want the best for him. My daughter is the same. If I can do it, I'll do it because I love them. I want the best. Well, God loves you. You're loved by Almighty God in that way. This is what the scriptures are teaching. We've read it just now, haven't we? The trouble is sometimes, you know, we've read it so many times, we don't know what it says. Come with me again. Let's go back to John chapter 3. Just as we're beginning to close here now. John chapter 3, it says this. It says, John chapter 3, it says this. Look, in verse 16, for God so loved the church. Oh, it doesn't say the church. What does it say? For God so loved the, the world? What do you mean? That scrubby thing out there? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's given us his best. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. He's not looking to condemn us. He's not looking to restrict us and condemn us. He's looking to help us, to empower us, to give us more of his grace and love He's looking to set us up for victory in life and success and victory are what he wants for us because we are his children. This is what he wants. He sets us up for that. And you know, some people find that hard to take in, but that's what this says. He didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. And that word saved in the Greek is a word that speaks of everything. It's including everything in that word. It's soterio. Soteriology is the theological subject that it points to, which means nothing missing, nothing missing at all, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing missing or broken. Everything that you could possibly want for anything at all, that's what he wants for us in this new position as his children on planet Earth. That's his provision. Hallelujah. He's a good God and he loves us and he's given us great provision. And so it's for us to receive that. And so the question is, are we receiving it? You see, this is the thing. Or are we hypnotized? Well, we need to make sure we dehypnotize ourselves to be in that negative, defeated condition. 
and open ourselves up to receive fully from him. And this is what leads then to the supernatural dimensions of faith. When you allow that to happen, you then get yourself into a place where you're now going around, you'll say, I'm an ambassador of God. That's what the Bible says. I'm a child of God. I'm a co-heir with Christ. Okay? I'm all of these things. I can believe and receive. I can speak to mountains. He's put me in a position of power and authority. He's given it to me. I've received his anointing. When you take these things on board, what happens is this. You've studied them. In order to take them on board, you have to study. When you study, you gain authority. Authority used produces power, and power changes things. <laughs> it's a circle of success. It starts with studying the Word, but it's a circle of success and victory. I'm glad I'm in the circle of success and victory. <laughs> and you are too, my precious brothers and sisters. We are in that place together. But don't be tricked. The enemy has a plan for you as well. He wants you ignorant, defeated. And so he gives us a choice. He says, study to show yourself approved. A workman rightly dividing. Rightly. In other words, you can wrongly. But if you study and rightly, you'll receive. And then that puts us into the realm then of the supernatural. And this is something that's unquantifiable. This is the realm of the car incident that I had where you speak, you do it not from a place of... See, most people, if you say that testimony to people, they can't, even, they can't even begin to understand that because they haven't studied. They haven't got any authority. They don't use any authority. They have no power and nothing changes for them. You see? So they can't even begin to understand what you're talking about. They've got no concept of it. But for people who take Jesus at his word, take the Bible seriously, really want to impact the world with these truths, these blessed truths, ancient and pure, then it's a wonderful thing. And in the book, I detail some remarkable things uh, that have happened. I only give a few testimonies. It's a, it's a small volume, but, um, you know, let me give you an example. Anyone remember um, Anthony Stroder, the minister from America um, who uh, lives in Alabama, uh, Mobile, Alabama. And uh, Anthony and I were recording TV programs in London uh, on the Sky, for the Sky Network with TBN, Trinity Broadcasting Network. And we were having these programs on faith. We were doing these. Wonderful. Well, congratulations. He's a nice man. So the programs were being recorded in London. 
we were speaking with the, um, we were speaking on faith, and we took a break from the programs, and we were sitting down, talking about family, and talking about, you know, things, and I had a download from God. You see, when you're in this position, then what happens is you have downloads. You can't quantify what's happening, but it's just happening. And I said to him, the woman that you're dating is not the right one. But there's a woman who watches you walking to the left, walking to the right. She sits diligently before your ministry. She's the right one, and she'll be a tremendous blessing to your life. Well, you know, when you say something like that, I mean, it took me a few minutes to have the courage to say it to him because, you know, <laughs> I, I'd never met the lady who was dating, and I didn't want to say anything wrong because, you know, you're, as a minister, you're in a position of authority, and you better be sure that you're saying the truth. I don't just, you know, some people, you know, I meet people, they talk things because it's their vain imagination. You know, the first thing comes in their head, they just speak it out to people. You know, our weight, there's weight to our words. Jesus is, you have to give an account for every idle word. We should, we should weigh our words, not speak things lightly to people. So I don't speak anything lightly to people at all. If it, it really has to be, you know, pressing on me to do this. Um, because, you know, it's, it's so important. So I said those words to him, and his response was very um, low-key. He, he, he didn't give much away. He, he just nodded and sort of left it at that. I, I moved on to a different subject quickly, you know. Because, <laughs> you know, you, you, you don't know if you, you know, we're all prone to make mistakes. We can make a mistake. It, it, with the best will in the world, you can make a mistake. But, you, you know, it, yeah, I, I've not heard of any that I've made, thankfully, in this area. When it's like this, it's always, be, it's always happened. And uh, about three months later, he said to me, Pastor Steve, I have telephoned you today to tell you that every word you spoke to me has come true. He said, every single word has come true. Man, it was just like you said. He said, he said that woman, she was definitely not the right one for me. He said, and there has been a woman who has been faithful. She sits in the front, and sure thing, man, she watches me left and right, just like you said, and she is a darling, and we've been going out now for a few months, and I'm going to marry that woman. <laughs> he, said, now, he, said, he said, now there's only one thing, he said, that in the whole world I know lots of ministers, but only one minister is going to marry me and Gwen, and it's you. He said, so you're going to have to come to Mobile, Alabama. <laughs> I said, I'd be delighted to go to Mobile, Alabama. And yeah, and I'm pleased to say there's a lovely photograph of me um, with them on the wedding day in the book. But it's, it just shows that we're talking now about the supernatural then realms of faith, you see. You enter into that when you have that spiritual self-image. Praise God. Let's all stand. There's a lot more to say, but that's enough for this morning.
Let's pray and let's have a confession this morning, can we? I want us to confess some words out along these lines.